Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Matt Mitchell, the running editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, so this week on the show, I'm joined by Matt Seidel, who about a week ago took fourth place at the oldest ultramarathon in the U.S., the JFK 50 miler, to cap off what's been a stellar rookie year of racing for him thus far. Matt represents a new crop of runners choosing to make the jump from D1 college programs to trail racing sooner and sooner, bringing with them a tremendous amount of raw speed that's translating to some really impressive performances. Trail running is, in my opinion, as healthy as it's ever been, and I think it's continuing to legitimize itself as a professional option for young athletes looking to extend their post-collegiate running careers. Matt and I cover a lot of ground in our conversation, including a detailed recap of his run at JFK, what he's learned from his first year of racing competitively, what he hopes to accomplish in the sport, and a whole lot more. But before I bring Matt on, I do want to take a quick minute and encourage you all to check out our Blister membership and all of the benefits it offers, including access to all of our flash reviews and deep dives, personalized gear recommendations to help you find the right pair of running shoes, discounts on a bunch of really sweet products we love, and a whole lot more. So check out our Blister membership via the link in the show notes. Also, if you've been enjoying the conversations I've been having on this show, please do us a favor and leave us a rating or review. Little things like that go a long way in supporting the podcast. Okay, let's get right into my conversation with Matt. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Pleasure to be here. (laughs) Two Matts. Two Matts. So we're recording this a day after Thanksgiving. Um, How was your Thanksgiving? It was lovely to spend some time with friends and family. That's kind of a dream day. Did some running, did some eating food. Can't complain. I'm surprised you said you did some running because we're about, what, like four or five days out from your fourth place finish at the JFK 50, uh, in which you ran the 16th fastest time, which is incredible considering that's the oldest race, I think. Oldest ultra in the US, yep. So how did that go? (laughs) Uh, So this was actually, I guess, not like a training run. It was more of a for pleasure run. Uh, My friends and I, I guess we kind of mid-pandemic, which I'd kind of argue is when I really got into trail running as a whole, um, started some like stupid traditions. Um, I mean, lots of people like to turkey trout on Thanksgiving, do some road races, but I don't know. That's not really my style. So we did what we call a dolphin trot. So there is, I'm from Santa Clara, San Jose. It's actually where I am right now. I'm at my parents' house here um, at about 20 miles away, which actually was the setting for my first 100K earlier this year, the Quicksilver. Um, there is this series of trails that... Um, long story short, very steep, very verde, but it resembles the shape of a dolphin. And so my friend and I, two years ago, just kind of on a whim, we're like, let's just go run that on Thanksgiving. Why not? And it's like 10 miles, 2,800 feet of gain. It's stuck on. So this is the third tradition. And all the guys I run with, they do not call themselves runners. Like this is literally the only run they've done all month. And the the fact that they're willing to do this stupidly verde run was kind of awesome. And so, yeah, just stupid things like that get me going and make me happy. How did your legs feel? that's the scary part they felt oh, good no. i had to resist not running today so like nope i'm gonna shut it down i actually i don't run the whole week after an ultra just kind of shut it down stay on the bike if i want to get some activity i see the bikes in the background kind of want to go for a ride with you at some point seem like we a, can make that like happen ride, so. yeah yeah well that's kind of something i wanted to talk about because uh you are part of this younger crop of really fast dudes that have all run like collegiately and have crazy leg speed and are coming over to the ultra scene and just wreaking havoc on older, slower folks like myself. Um, so I'm not surprised you're feeling good just, you know, four or five days out from an ultra. I wanted to kind of rewind a little bit and talk about maybe um, how you ended up running in college and then how you made the jump onto the trails. Totally. Um it might take the long way of telling that story, but uh, it starts here um, at my parents' house. My parents were ironically the kind of inspiration for me getting into running in the first place. I um, had loved playing sports as a kid. I kind of, kind of the multi-sport athlete, like I fit the mold, but I uh, 
all the way until I got to high school, I found I sucked at every sport I tried. I loved playing it. It was like the passion was there, but it's like, Ooh, I love baseball, but I can't hit a baseball. I love playing basketball, but I'm like really short. I was five foot flat coming out of middle school. Like "Mm, maybe I'm not going to be an NBA star. Uh, So it's just like passion to try every sport. And then I got to high school and my parents are like, you got to try sports. Like it's kind of gets you involved in social circles. It gets you active, like, all the cliches and it's like, okay, cross country is a no cut sport. You could do that. It's like, Ooh, okay. I can't get cut. Sweet. Um, and ironically, I almost did not do cross country. There was like a, I don't know if you ever reflect back on life and say like this momentary decisions that completely change everything. Uh, I missed the kickoff meeting for freshman cross country. It's like, Oh, I guess I'm not going to run. And the man's like, no, you show up to first day of practice. And I'm very glad they made me do that. So I kind of signed up. It's like, I guess I can try this running thing. And, I don't know, stuck with it for a year, saw kind of immediate improvement. It's kind of amazing what consistent training will do. I think that was my instant takeaway. I was like the first ever mile time trial. I know ultra running is not about like short distance events, but long story short, within like two months of training, I cut my mile PR by like a minute and a half. It's like, oh, there's a noticeable difference of spending a little bit of time on this. Um, so yeah, I kind of spent some time running in high school, loved it. I think above us, I loved the team culture. I went to a high school where we were all guys, but we had a 200 person cross country team, which is kind of this absurd. It's uh, Bellarmine here in San Jose. Um, it's right next to Santa Clara university. It's a Jesuit school. And, uh, we have just a really good program. Uh, Patrick McChrystal is the coach and he's just like, in my mind, like God level high school cross country coach in terms of building a culture which i think is what i loved about the sport through all levels i've done it is like it surrounds you with good people who love what they're doing a lot um and so i stuck with cross country throughout high school enjoyed track as well kind of did the whole gambit there and then knew i wanted to continue running through college and kind of was looking for places to go but you know wasn't quite like all state like caliber was it felt i felt and this we can touch on later as we build in this conversation but hearing like that I'm a fast runner. Like I've never viewed myself as a fast runner. I viewed myself as like very average. Um, and I think running specifically like track and cross country can get you very in your head about like, it's like if you're running the mile or the two mile every time, it's like, you can kind of see exactly what everyone's running. Like, it's like, sure. I beat a lot of people, but look at how many people are ahead of me. Like there's a lot of people here. So, um, continued running throughout high school and college kind of specialized in the three K five K 10 K kind of all those longer distance events, uh, the irony is I did not run the 10K my senior year because it was too long for me. It's like, nah, I can't do that. I need shorter stuff. Like, that's my grind. Um, and got through college, kind of went through some ups and downs, set some really fast times, set a few school records, won a championship or two. But like at a small Seattle University is where I ran collegiately. And it's great team, great program. But admittedly, kind of like a really small, I call it like D1 light, not to diminish the experience of being a D1 athlete, but it, it very much wasn't your like Stanford or your UW or anywhere that's big. It's like the culture was very much, we're going to try hard, but we're also going to be well-rounded human beings. We're going to focus on school. We're going to do other things and we're not going to try to overwork everyone. And so I kind of went through that phase of my life where it was like cross country and college and everything. And then graduated from college and was kind of like, now what? Like, I don't really know what to do, uh, but there's still this burning passion to run. And so I think actually the smartest thing for me to do was like take a year off, not of running. I still would run for fun, but kind of no focus training, nothing. And then kind of early 2020 had this itch to like, oh, maybe I want to try marathons again. So I kind of put myself out there, um, do some stuff. And then Whoop, uh, this thing happened in 2020, which everyone talks about. I don't know if you've heard about it. Uh, this little disease came around and that kind of completely shifted the way I approached things. Um, it's like, maybe I want to get into road marathons. And then all road marathons were shut down for a year and a half. It's like, okay, maybe I won't do that. Um, but then you kind of stumble upon things like fastestknowntime.com. You start running trails a lot more and like, oh, maybe there's a side to this. And um, yeah, I think that's without going too much in depth, like how I kind of found trail running as a whole is kind of on a whim. Like, oh, this kind of seems cool. Like I would try it out and then lo and behold, there's a few more steps to get there. But um, yeah, now we're here. Was there kind of like any interest in trail running while you were in college? Just like thinking back on when I was in college, I think trail running was still kind of this like super niche sport and uh, it didn't have the same kind of coverage it does now. But like, I don't know, you graduated from college, what, like how many years ago? I uh, graduated in 2018, so that was a little over four years Okay, now. yeah. So trail running was at like a very different place in terms of its popularity. Yeah. Uh, and you were in Seattle too, which is 
definitely a, a hotbed for that activity. Was there any seeds planted while you were running collegially? Oh, yeah, totally. And I think I've been really blessed to be that I've lived in three areas for a sustained period of my life and San Diego being the third, but I found specifically the Bay Area and Seattle, they yeah, trail running hotbeds. And it's not ironic to me that I've found this community over time. Um, but I'd say throughout high school and college, I think competitive trail running just wasn't a thought that was in my mind. It's like, you can't do that. Like it's, I think of competitive running. It's like, you're on a track, you're on a cross country course. Like that's it. Maybe you do the marathon. Like it's just this very focused world. Um, and so I say throughout high school, um, we, we would like run on trails, which is kind of the weird part to me. It's like, I have only found trail running as my focus recently, but I've been running on trails my whole life. It's why I enjoy running to this day. Like I, I still, if I'm going to be honest, when I just go out for a flat eight mile road run, like it's just, maybe it's weird to say it's kind of boring. It's like, you're just like running in a straight line. Like it's, I ne almost need music to like keep me engaged. Whereas when you're out on the trail, it's just this different experience, which I don't need to explain to you, but it's like being out there. It feels really good. So we would throughout high school, even throughout the week we'd run. I don't know how familiar you are with the South Bay in terms of trail running around here, but we have some really beautiful parks like Rancho San Antonio, open space preserve um, is I've run hundreds and hundreds of times through that park. Um, Los Gatos uh, Creek Trail in the Los Gatos area in the south part of the Silicon Valley. Lots of really cool open space preserves out here. Um, other stuff around the, I guess, eastern side of San Jose, like Alum Rock Park. Just There's just so many beautiful places you can run. And then we'd go down to even Santa Cruz area that has some gorgeous redwood forests out there. It's just having these really beautiful places to run and even moving that up to Seattle throughout college. Um, my coaches actually... And this is another influence. My cross-country coaches for the first three years of college were ultra runners themselves. Um, Trisha and Uli Steidel um, have both done a lot of work. I know Uli Steidel's. I've heard people like, oh, you run for Uli? Like he's this name thrown out around there. But Seattle has uh, maybe not imminently in the city a lot of trails, but you go a few minutes outside of Seattle and we'd run at Cougar Mountain all the time throughout college. We'd do Tiger Mountain every now and then. Um, I'd try to... I, Really wouldn't get out to the Cascades themselves to do any running, but I hiked a million times out there. And so having these really pretty places really close to you made it pretty easy. Um, but in terms of competitively running, it wasn't a thought that was on my mind. It's like, um, and it wasn't till kind of much within the last two years that it opened my eyes. Like, oh, there's people who just only do this. It's like the best part of running and they focus on that. Like, oh, why wouldn't I do that? Right. Did you have any kind of figures in the sport that you like looked up to when you were coming up? Um, so that was a fun, like, not really, like I, in terms of like ultra and trail runners, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm still very new to the sport and I didn't know the name Jim Walmsley until like two years ago. Like it's, it's a new thing to me. Um, and now I feel like I see so many icons and it's like, yeah, it's easy. Uh, but it's a conventionally growing up, the people you look up to are like the Olympians who are placing in the 5k or the 10k or your rare guy, like who'd step up to the marathon, like a Galen Rupp. It's like, those were the conventional figures I had in my mind. Um, and it wasn't until very recently, I, I think actually one of the first times I remembered it. it's before ultra running was really on my mind. Um, I was going for a run on Mount Diablo for the first time, literally the first time I'd ever run on Mount Diablo, a really iconic peak here in the East Bay, um, where I live. And I got to the summit. I did the Mitchell Canyon route all the way to the top, sat on the summit and watched on my phone, the end of project carbon X2 and Jim Walmsley's attempt at the hundred K world record. And I was like, Oh, like this is a sport. Like people are investing time in this. This is awesome. And just this connection, like I'm doing something completely different, but I'm still experiencing the same sport. So it's, it's, yeah, I'd say the, I haven't necessarily had figures I've followed for a long time, but I, I see the need for more figures to just introduce people to, Hey, this sport exists. You can do it from a young age. And well, maybe I wouldn't advise kids to hundred milers right off the bit, but you'll build up to it over time. Yeah. Yeah. That like, oh man, carbon X is such a cool concept. And especially the way it was covered was really fun. And I feel like that, like, I don't know, might suit you. Uh, that type of event might suit you considering your leg speed and stuff. Um, how did you kind of end up deciding on running uh, JFK 50? Because it's such like, it's like a very unique race in the sense that from what I know about it, it kind of like spans both like bike path and pretty technical sections of the, of the AT and it's like super flat and fast. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's great. Ironically, I had a friend really nudge me to do it. Um, that was the impetus. Uh, you, I know you are familiar with him, but Elon uh, Lieber, another guy out here in the East Bay, I believe he was on this podcast yeah. a long, short while ago. Uh, yeah, Elon and I have done lots of training and I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years being another East Bay runner. Um, and he knew that I had like done a few, I did a 50 miler this year, did a hundred K earlier this year, like had been interested in things, had been training for Chicago marathon for all. I was like, Hey, you like ultras, you have leg speed, you should do JFK. And I was like, Ooh, yeah, I should. But at this point, this was maybe back in like uh, August or so, maybe like three months ago. I was like, I am investing time in Chicago marathon. I still have lofty dreams in the road marathon i haven't ditched this kind of speed side of things and so he's like you should sign up and i was like i will but after chicago like i for me when it comes to racing i find i can only focus on like one race at a time i can't like i have one a race i'm going for and i can do other things in the build-up but it's like i am you're talking to me and i'm like i'm in chicago mode there's nothing other than chicago we're going on right now and so finally like chicago happened it went okay it did not go the way i wanted it to but i was like i know i have more fitness my legs feel good and so i then kind of sat um for a few weeks i'd known jfk was an option the whole time and kind of did two weeks of training like, okay i'm gonna train like i'm doing jfk and then if my legs tell me i'm right if my body tells me it's right if my mind tells me it's right i'll sign up and then i don't know when i did like a like three weeks after Chicago Marathon, I did a 30-mile run at like roughly what I perceived to be at race pace for JFK. And I was like, okay, I feel good at the end of this. I should sign up for JFK. I should do this. Like, And the rest is history. Um, yeah. Don't really regret signing up now, but um, yeah. Interesting. That's like a very like, I feel like intuitive approach to racing. Do you, are you coached by anyone? Uh, you're looking at him. I am self-coached. Uh, I, I would say I'm self-coached, but I feel like I've had the pleasure of having some really good coaches throughout my life to the point where even though I've never had a coach specific to ultra or trail running, I understand the pillars of training really well. And I think the biggest secret, I don't think it's really secret is know yourself. If you can like understand what your body is and what you can do, I think that's how you maximize yourself. Cause I think a proper training plan needs to be a little flexible to your personal life. Like obviously things happen in life outside of running and running is not the only part of your life, but also, it's the, to me like the most fun part of my life. And so um, learning how to balance that is important. But yeah, no, in terms of what I do in training nowadays, it's all either research I've read online or kind of what I perceive to do. And it's, I think the biggest takeaway is like just willing to push your body a little bit and be like, okay, how can I push the envelope while not destroying myself um, and finding that fine line? It's a hard line to ride, but yeah, the more like athletes I talk to, the more I'm convinced that like athleticism is all about just like almost like knowing yourself and like listening to yourself and mm -hmm. like the folks with like the best like body awareness are oftentimes the most successful. Would you ever kind of consider like taking on a coach? I guess that kind of like leads into another kind of, I guess, line of question I have, which is like, what do you want to do with this sport considering like backing up? I mean, this is your first your first year of like really racing competitively. I mean, you've won Lake Sonoma, which is a really prestigious 50 mile race. Um, you've won Quicksilver 100K. You came in six at Way Too Cool, which is like one of the more competitive 50Ks in the country. And now you've come, you know, another top five finish at, at a really, really fast, prestigious race. Where does this go? Yeah, great question. It's a two-folded question there. Uh, I think one is what I ever consider being coached, and then the second, right? Part, yeah, where does it go from there? Um, so yes, I I think I am open to coaching, but I think the way I'm currently approaching it is I'm open to advice from a lot of parties. I think my life, not just in running, but I, I think to take a step back, like running to me is a reflection of how I live my life. And it's like, it's the best part of life, but it's kind of, it's the perfect blend of everything I enjoy doing. And so in life, I've found that like my happiest or like when I feel like I'm enjoying life the most is when I'm combining the thoughts of a lot of people that I love and just like really melding that into my personal experience. And so with running, while I don't have a coach, I think I talk to a lot of people about training. Right. Um, it's no secret. I'll, I'll be open and talk to anyone who wants to talk about it. And I acknowledge that I am naive and young in this sport. And while, yeah, I have a lot of speed and like to run fast and have these good results, I still have a lot to learn. And that's kind of the fun part to me is like learning how to tinker with all these variables and plans over time. So um, I... I, I love being self-coached for now and kind of want to keep writing that, but I am always open to the advice of people who know a lot more than me and I'm 
admit that I'm not an expert in any of this. And I think having expert advice is the best part, like getting someone who's specialized in this and has been doing it for a while is great. Um, in terms of where it goes from here. Um, it's a great question. I, I, I like to not, I have ideas of where it goes, but I don't want to put a cap on it. And I think the current philosophy is just keep riding the wave and keep pushing it. I think I want to just keep dreaming, I guess. I think there's no, the way I currently approach the sport is like, there's no dream that's too small to be had. And I don't want to put a specific goal or what that looks like, but it's like, I know that when I feel good, when I feel confident, when I'm most importantly having fun, I think that's the number one thing. Like, am I enjoying what I'm doing? I don't think there's any limit into what you can do. And it's just kind of being willing to push yourself, enjoying, not seeing training as training, seeing training as like having a good time, like going out for trail runs with friends and pushing yourself when the time is to push yourself and kind of just keep going. I want to go longer, want to go faster, want to keep doing adventures. And yeah, I'm yeah for the sport, pretty young and kind of excited about that. It's like, there's so many years ahead of me where we'll see what happens. It's yeah. Just don't, don't put a limit on what you can do. Is kind of my current mindset. How do you think you've kind of avoided the, the burnout that is like typical of someone that has run really competitively for a long time in high school and in college. Yeah, I think it's viewing ultra running as a different sport. I, I like as much as I've been a competitive runner for over a dozen years now, I view that I've been doing ultra running for like a year and change. Like it's you have to perceive it or you don't have to, but I choose to perceive it as like a different sport. It's a different mental mindset. And it is a different sport. The kind of way you approach and what you're doing is very different. But in terms of avoiding the burnout, I think it's honestly part of that to me is being self-coached a little bit in terms of not feeling the need to follow a plan that's very scripted. Um, I think it's like finishing a training block and assessing where you're at and like, okay, what do I need? Do I need time off? Do I need to spend time cross training? Do I need to, do I feel good? And do I want to mentally, spiritually just keep rolling with what I have here? Um, and it's writing that line. And I think it's just, um, it's, it's taking your body and mind for where it's at in the moment. But at the same time, I firmly believe like the best training happens when you're willing to push yourself a little bit harder. It's like knowing the line between, okay, this is something I've done before. This is comfortable. This is comfortable. And this is hard. And then this becomes painful. I'm taking on debt and it's finding that line. And I think going like a step or two beyond it each time, but like, and then every, eventually over time you push that line further and further back. And I think that's just how you get better. Um, it's not what that line is. It's completely up to the person who's doing it. And um, it's kind of finding what you like doing and willing to push yourself. Cause I don't think you improve unless you're willing to push yourself and finding that impetus to like, keep being honest with yourself and just push yourself in a way that you may not be willing to yourself. I feel like trail running too. Like it's such a diverse sport. It's really hard to get bored, you know? And yeah. I mean, oh, I yeah. think when, when you also combine road running, you mentioned like running Boston marathon is like another challenge. Like there's so many possibilities. How, do you think about that at all? Like, do you try and like vary your goals in order just to like keep it fresh? Oh, a hundred percent. I, I have talked to a lot of people about this recently. And I think like going into the next calendar year, well, what I think the long-term looks like is still a question mark. I think in the short term, I have like very obvious goals and without saying like, I need to do this or the years of failure, like as a competitive ultra runner in this sport, it's like, I think the idea of like Western States is very appealing to everyone. It's like, that's kind of an obvious impetus. And like, yeah, that's a goal of mine. Like I would love to be towing the line at Palisades come June, but it's not the only thing that's out there. There's plenty of other good stuff out there. And so like that to me is like one concurrent goal. And it's like, okay, on one hand, like it's no secret. I'm like, I'm signed up for Black Canyon. Like anyone who signs up for a race like that, it's like, ah, oh, there's kind of an obvious end result to that. If you talk to a lot of people, but I think it's not the only goal I have. And yeah, it's how do you balance that with something that's like, yeah, I view myself as still having some road speed. I still enjoy doing road running. So um, like the OTQ is a really fun goal to get after. It's like, okay, can I push myself to a point where I'm competing with the like most elite American marathon runners and like running at that, not as long, but at a high intensity. And then conversely, there is this whole other goal of like outdoor adventures, which doesn't necessarily have any specific training goal. It's just something I love doing, but I think it's fun to see what some people do in the mountains and over several days and be like, Ooh, like, how can I make this my own? How can I add my own little niche to this? Um, so I think having those diverse goals is what makes it fun. It's also what makes it hard in that you, you can't really focus on one, like focusing on one 
may hurt your ability to do the others, but sometimes you just, you, you have to focus on one thing at a time. Right. Are there any runners that you kind of like identify as like doing that well, like being examples in terms of like their racing styles and, and um, I guess their objectives? Uh, I, there's so many athletes I could take inspiration from and without mentioning a lot of them, I, I'll be open and honest and say, I think a huge inspiration to me is Jim Walmsley. Um, I was going to say, I, I, I didn't want to make the comparison, it's, but like yeah. just the, the road marathoning mixed with like the super fast, yeah. like hundred Ks. I'm like, all right. Well. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, it's to me, I've always prided myself on like trying to be a diverse athlete within ultra or within like running. And to me, that means like being able to do anything and show up like you can within high school. That's like, Oh, you can tow the line at a two mile and do like, at that moment, the longest track race you could do, but maybe the fast runners are also ones who could show up at the 800 and throw down a 152, 151 in high school, which was a really fast time. I never ran that fast, but it's like dreams. You dream about doing that. And so I think when I look at someone like Walmsley, it's like, okay, he can run a, he could run pretty darn close to 14 hours at Western States. Like a really madness race. He's willing to toe the line at a UTMB. He's willing to go after other adventurous outdoor things. He's willing to smash rim to rim to rim. But at the same time, he's willing to step down and run a 64 minute half marathon. He's willing to toe the line at the OTQs when he got there and run a 216. It's like that range is kind of fun to see. And, and I believe that like, embracing other sports or other sides of running is what helps you get better at the things you're focusing on and maybe having one area that you focus on or having many areas you focus on just gives you many different avenues to achieve your goals like you don't have to just go after one thing at a time really try to pursue a lot of goals i guess kind of related but i i follow the nba pretty closely and uh a lot of yeah a lot of like scouts now are concerned about like young basketball players that are like in the AAU system and playing basketball year round that they're like essentially aging themselves prematurely. And so now that like scouts that are like, I guess, investing in younger players want to see that they're like playing basketball and baseball and and football and, and, and diversifying in their interests. And I feel like something similar can be applied to, to running in a sense, you know, uh, just like, the demands you put on yourself like running a road marathon versus like UTMB are so different. They're both hard, but I feel like they stress your bodies in different ways that like could be beneficial, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh yeah. If that makes any sense. But so I wanted to kind of like focus a little bit more on uh, JFK and just kind of hear about your day. Uh, You, you wrote this really interesting Instagram post recapping it the general takeaway that was that there was some, <laughs> some good and some bad and, and you had to kind of enter the pain cave for a while. And I'm always curious like where people's mind goes when they're hurting really bad. And I'm wondering if you can kind of articulate that as well as just give me a general idea of like what you did well, what you could have done better. I'll circle back and say we have to go to Warriors game sometime now that I know you're an NBA fan. Definitely. Uh, I do love following the NBA. But uh, yeah, no, JFK was... Yeah, it was a uh, fun one. I, I guess coming into the race, I, I just I felt really good. Um, I felt hungry and ready. I think were the two takeaways. Um, kind of like riding an emotional high from running and some other things in life. Just feeling like really good, feeling really happy, willing to like push myself, but at the same time, like knowing that I have had really since Quicksilver 100K in May, like pretty much devoted all my time towards marathon training more or less. So having had like four to five months of consistent buildup at speed work, it's like, okay, I think this is a good way to come into a really fast ultra marathon. Like it, it runs like a road race. It doesn't run like an ultra for you kind of maybe jog it. So I, I think I, I dream big coming in. I like set soft. I like, I like having tiered goals coming into a race. I think it's important to have ambitious goals that are like really reach, but also other goals when inevitably you reach goals, which in theory you should only hit if you're having the best day of your life or something like that. Like inevitably they don't happen every race. Like, okay, how can we have some other goals that can keep yourself engaged and not just want to drop when things go really hard. Uh, so coming into the race, I was like, I'm going to dream big. Like I'm young. I don't think I have this, but like you look, I kind of look at the CR of the course. They're like, why not? Like, why not go for it? And 
I'm not going to be naive and think that it's going to happen. It's like on the best of best days, it's possible. Like that's the mental mindset, but not being afraid to put yourself in a position to make it possible. Um, so I think I had like kind of like what I like to do when coming into ultras, since I'm pretty new to the sport is kind of look at other people who have done really well at the course and every, every race is course by course. Like it's all completely different, which is the fun part. So, okay. How did these top athletes run this race really fast? And so coming in, I actually, I looked at three, I studied three people's splits for the race really closely. It was obviously Hayden Hawks with the CR back in 2020, um, Peterman winning it in 21 and then Jim's third attempt when he set the CR at the time in 2016. Um, and like, how did they run it? What kind of times and not thinking that I'm at that level, but like, okay, what can we learn from these? people who've done it really well. like find the experts in the sport and how did they do it and it's pretty funny when you just kind of see what someone did and just try to repeat that yourself so it's like okay what i found interesting about those three people to kind of maybe get into the history before how i approached it it's like there's three distinct segments of jfk for those that don't know jfk it's a 50 mile race but the first I think it's 15 mile, 15.1, 15.2 miles is on the Appalachian Trail, more or less. The first two miles are on a rolling uphill road. Then you hop on the Appalachian Trail for the better part of a half marathon, with the exception of like a two mile road stretch, which I knew was coming, but was like a surprise to all of us. We're like, oh, road, <laughs> like, what is this? Uh, but it's still really steep uphill. And then from there, you descend into Weaverton, you kind of hit the crowd. It's the first Grubel aid station. There's a lot of people there. And then you hit what's called the towpath. So it's a slightly longer than a marathon flat as a pancake gravel towpath which it runs like a road it's a road i um kind of approached it like it was a road and it's i hear it, it's like oh it's flat marathon it'd be easy but i can touch on this a little bit like it wasn't easy it's it's a weird mental state to be in and then that runs you to mile 42 and then you hit the dam number four and then you turn onto a road and then the last eight miles is on rolling mild rolling but rolling hills on a road the whole way so coming in i had like followed splits for all these different phases kind of like knowing what i'm doing it's like okay i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna race like i had these splits in mind and literally right off the bat i had like throw those splits away you don't need a race like it's you know what you're capable of you know what you can do there's a really fast field i mean without trying to like overthink things like i looked at the entrance list like okay i know who's here i know what they've done like but I think the fun part of ultras is everyone comes in to this race. It's a new race. Like you don't know, even if their training has been going well, you don't know where they're at mentally. Even if they haven't had any good results, you could have a guy who is like primed for a good performance and you've never seen them coming. So it's just like, just go out there and race. Like you don't know who's going to show up. So I took the first like 14 or I took the first like eight, nine miles, just really chill, like still at the front of the race, like chill was like sitting in the top five and like, like feeling good, feeling confident. But I kind of feel that's how like ultras go. Like the first 10 miles should feel easy. You're going to run for five, six, seven, however many hours, like the first hour should feel easy. If it doesn't, you're doing something wrong. Um, so went in kind of feeling confident, kind of just jockeying for position, just feeling who's there. And then maybe at around mile 10, um, kind of alluding to the fellow Matt interview here, uh, Matt Daniels, kind of the guy that I had seen in the race do a lot of good performances. He, and having gotten dinner with him after the race, he talked about like, yeah, he made a move. Like, it's okay. And I was like, oh, heck yeah, the race is starting. Like, this is what I'm here for. Uh, and this is maybe at around mile 10. So me, myself, I think it was Josh, who also was very high up in the race for a lot of day. And then Preston Cates, the guy who ended up getting third right in front of me. Like we all went with him, kind of were jockeying. And at that point, the hills were kind of rolling still. And so this is the first time where I... It's like, okay, now we're racing. How do I approach this? And I think the way I rationalized, like mentally exerting a lot of energy that early on was I am going to, I'm going to not push the uphills. I will cruise on the downhills. I've been practicing my downhills. I feel good about it, but like not push too hard. And so we kind of, the, the four of us were kind of jockeying back and forth. Um, Josh and Matt had taken off and then Preston and I were like yo-yoing. It was kind of funny. It's like he would get me on every uphill and then when the downhill would come, he's like, oh, hey, what's up? And we'd like give a little high five and then like, oh, you'll catch me on the next uphill. And it's just like that camaraderie and that like just racing, but not taking it too seriously that early on. And then inevitably coming into Weaverton, uh, the first big aid station, like I like there's this long sustained, it's got, they call it the switchbacks. It's like a mile of like steep descent. And I was like, Oh, like I feel really good right now. And more importantly, it's like downhill. It's not cardiovascular effort. It's just like how comfortable he was sending it on this really steep trail. And like, I have spent a lot of time 
inadvertently working on my descending, like in the Oakland foothills. Like, okay, I'm going to just take this downhill as fast as I want. Um, so I ended up being in the lead coming into that first aid station, um, switched out shoes. And then, yeah, um, the towpath, I think you were kind of alluding to is that next, next one. It's, it's weird. It's for those that haven't run JFK. Uh, it's, it's a mind expletive. Um, it's just this really weird state of you're trying to run fast and you still have 30 miles to go in a race and you're clocking off sub six miles if you're at the front and it's like, Ooh, like, should I be doing this? It's this like big mental question mark of like, okay. So I kind of like was actually right behind Matt then in second for a while because I had switched out shoes. I guess there's a People do a shoe change at Weaverton if you're kind of because the first half of the race is all on trails and then the rest of the half is on roads. So I switched out the shoes and felt good, but had kind of fallen back into second with a couple of guys right behind me. And then eventually Matt, I'd been slowly catching Matt over the next five miles. And then he right before I passed him, like peeled off and used the bathroom. It's like, okay, now I'm in the lead. Like, this is cool. But I was here to begin with, so it doesn't feel weird. And in a strange way, it's like, it's where I expected to be. It's like, I don't, I'm not scared of this. I'm like not freaking out. Like this is, I'm running the splits that I roughly had in mind, which is like slightly below six minute pace. I know Peterman in 21 had the fastest time on the towpath and he ran roughly like 555 miles. It's like, okay, I should be running sub six and what that looked like kind of changed mile by mile. So there was like one mile where I ran a 540. It was like, Ooh, this is, this is a lot. Maybe we back off. And then the next mile is like, Oh, this is a 601. Like, okay, maybe pick it up. And then inevitably that stasis kind of balances out around like 550. It's like, okay, this is what I thought I would run. This is what I'm comfortable running mentally having spent a lot of time like training for the OTQ, like OTQ is currently 515 pace for men. So like, that's fast. That's really fast. Grand shorter distance, but like that intensity doesn't scare me away. Like five to me, 550 is the way I mentally approach it. Like that's 40 seconds per mile slower than you were trying to hit for a marathon. So like, just view it that way. Like don't think too hard about what the pace is and kind of ride that wave as long as you can. And I rode that wave for as long as I could. And then yeah, mile 30, 31, just something in my mind just switched. And I was like, Ooh, yeah, this doesn't feel too good anymore. Like, um, I, the pace hadn't necessarily dropped off. I was still hitting like a few miles. It was like 601, 602. So slower than I was, but not quite the same speed, but just mentally it's like, okay, this, yeah, does not feel good all of a sudden. And more importantly, like the field had caught up to me. So at the time, Garrett, the eventual winner of the race, he was like in second, he'd passed Josh and whoever else to get by me. And I just turned around at like the mile 31 aid station. And I see him like 10 seconds behind me. And I was like, why am I pushing myself? He's right behind me. So I literally slowed up to a jog for like 10 seconds, let him catch up and then just pick right up with him. It's like, okay, let's work together. Let's do this. And naively I thought like, oh yeah, I'm running with someone will make me feel better. All of a sudden it did not. And 10 seconds later, I was like, nope, you go. Like this is, I'm going to be smart. Maybe if I was gun ho on a win or nothing, I would have kept pushing it and gone. But it was just to me kind of going back to the like tiered goal list, like the goal like the dream goal was like to win and try to get as close to the CR as possible. But the next goal is like, let's finish this race. Let's place as highly as you can. Realistically, maybe like a top three finish is kind of the goal um, and run a really fast time. And so I was like, okay, I could push for the win, but I might give up the sub goal. And it's just realistically not happening in this moment in time. So let's back it off. Let's, let's consolidate the effort. Let's run at this pace. Let's run at a pace that you know you can sustain. And realistically, and this is kind of the mental approach that I took with the entire last like 20 miles. Like I'm going to find a pace that feels relatively comfortable. That's still pushing it. And I'm going to hold it. And I know I can hold this the whole rest of the way. I'm just going to bank on if the guys in front of me blow up, they blow up and I'll catch them. If they don't cool, they ran a really fast time. Like there's no shame in getting beat by to me. There's no shame in getting beat by someone who did a really good job and pushed hard to me. There's shame when the only time to feel upset about a race is when, you left a lot on the table for an unnecessary reason. Like that's the only reason to be disappointed with the race times places. Those are all just perceptions of how well you push yourself in the conditions you find. Like to me, the best race is when you pull the most out of what you have in that given day and maximize it. So it's like, okay, let Garrett go, let him do his thing. 
shortly after there, I actually had to use the restroom myself. Um, I had kind of naively not used the restroom before the race. So I held on for 32 miles with the poop imminently coming. I was like, nope, time to pull off, time to, time to take care of this. And I felt a lot better after doing that. And then at that point, Preston, the eventual third place guy, he had passed me. So I was in third, kind of tailing him. And then he also looked like he was hurting. And then eventually, um, Makai Clemens, the guy who got second, he pulled up to me at like mile 38 and was like, whew, I don't feel good, but I'm going to keep pushing. It was a stupid comment. The guy looked amazing. The guy finished the race feeling strong. He closed a minute per mile faster than me the last 10 miles. It's like, he's, he's so sandbagging right now. He feels great, but it's kind of that, that mental game of an ultra where, um, he pushed. And so, yeah, uh, I'd say like miles 30, two thirty-seven. Uh, yeah, you just kind of enter a pain cave and that's like all you can think about. And yeah, it's just, how do you mentally pull yourself out of that? How do you just not think about the pain that you're experiencing and how can you just look ahead, point forward and just put one leg in front of the other for as well as you can. I think that's kind of how you get through that. Um, what did you think about? Yeah. Everything like life, you get, I yeah. think you get really introspective, I don't know. You're first and foremost, I'm thinking about my pace. Um, I think there's two trains of thought. There's one that's like, you can look at your pace nonstop and you can just throw the watch away and just run. I am too dependent on pace to like, not look at my watch and be like, okay. And the way I mentally captured it is like, okay, I'm not running as fast. I am hurting a lot. I'm slowing down, but that was still like a seven ten mile. Like that was still a seven twelve next mile. Like, okay, I'm dying. It's a lot slower than I was going, but you're still pushing. You're still going. And it's just, just look at the guy in front of you. Like Preston has a cute butt and I guess like running 20 seconds behind him. Like, look at his, look at that. Like just think about something abstract, obscure, and like just think about that for as long as you can. It's kind of a, it's a test of mental patience. Um, I think for me, I, I kind of, at that point in the race started to maybe like question, like how mentally tough am I? Can I handle this? Like, why am I doing this? Like, this is only the third time I've run more than a 50 K in my life. Like, why did I choose to do this exactly? Like, am I going to drop at that next aid station? Blah, blah, blah. Like just fielding all these constant mental thoughts and chaos and just pushing them down at the end of the day. Just like, just whatever you do, think about whatever the hell you want. Just keep moving forward. And I think that's how I approached it. Like, think about all the friends who are at home, like that you send a live tracking to. Like, how disappointed would they be if you dropped? Or like, maybe you're not going to blow up, but like, you've been dreaming about this really fast time and you, your last race wasn't great. So like, just just keep holding on. Like, you got it. You're on a good one. Um, just literally anything your mind can think of. In, in that way, it might sound weird. It's like, it's not extreme mental focus. It's almost the opposite for me. It's like chaos. It's like, it's how the US men's national team plays their best football games. It's like, just yeah. throw everything out there and hope something sticks. And at the end of the day, as long as you're moving forward, you're doing your job. So yeah. Yeah, I, that's that's how I got out of it. Oh, man, I've listened to like a lot of race recaps and that was definitely one of the most like cogent and like specific. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, like it kind of speaks to the way you approach races, though. It's like you're very like calculated and precise and in focused. And I'm wondering if you have any kind of like, I guess, mental tactics that you work on um, outside of running or is that just kind of like how your mind works? just kind of how my mind works. I would say I work on it, but I work on it by just living my life day to day. I've, there's many things I like want to work on and improve upon, but <laughs> haven't found the time to. Um, and honestly, to just like finalize the race recap, it's like the last eight miles were literally that same thing. It's like, I'm going to run this pace, you do it and then you're done. Um, and I don't know the, no matter what it is, I think the way I approach it is just have fun doing what you're doing. So like even, if I'm deep in a pain cave, don't forget to smile. Like you're doing this because you chose to do it. Like it's, it's a voluntary action. I don't have to be here. Like, so why not enjoy the ride? Like just live it up experience. Like I think at the end of the day, like feeling very privileged is like, think of how many people don't get to go out here and do this. Like it's, I'm not naive. It's like ultra running. I feel like is a very privileged sport in terms of, I have the ability in my life to go out here and pursue these things. And I, I don't take it for granted. I am well aware of that. And, uh, I think just taking that, just having a lot of joy built up and just expressing that however you can. It's like the weirdest way I've chosen to do that is by running really long distances, but like do it with a smile, like maybe give people a high five as you go by, like just brighten their day a little bit. Um, and I think that's what keeps me going and focused is just 
enjoying it, just approaching everything with passion. Like I, running is my main hobby, but it's like not the only thing I enjoy doing in my life. And so just taking that joy and expressing it however you can. And even when things go really south, just still having a positive attitude. And yeah, just at the end of the day, like not to say I don't care how the results go, but like, it's just a race. Like there's other things in life that are more important. And so this just happens to be the one that I chose to focus on, but it's not, not letting yourself get too stressed about things and just being happy doing what you're doing is yeah. the way I've found. I think what I really appreciate about like ultra running, ultra trail running is that like there's a levity to it because of how absurd it inherently is, oh, you know? 100%. <laughs> so like I've been in like race settings or even like long run settings where I've been like really down on myself um, and you know, the race isn't going my way. And then I just kind of remember like what I'm doing and how like, yeah. <laughs> this is just such a ridiculous premise. Like the fact that I'm out here is kind of hilarious. And oh, yeah. in some ways that like makes it easier, makes like the pain less severe. Um, yeah. But so you mentioned having other hobbies. I heard from a mutual friend that at one point you were the lead singer of a band. Oh God! <laughs> Can we get into that? Uh, Maybe we'll not get the, very brief. The band. I know part. who said. I know who said mutual friend is. Right. I'll use it as an excuse to talk about my hobbies. Um, Elon loves hyping up uh, Jurassic Jesus, is what they're called, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, but it, I don't know. I I've done karaoke um, recently, so I like I still bring out that part of singing. I'm not. I think there's a lot of things I'm not good at, but enjoy doing, and so. Running is maybe the one thing I'm actually decent at, and so I enjoy doing that. But, um, I, yeah, I think having other passions and hobbies is arguably talking about the ultra running world. Like, one hand, it's absurd. On the other hand, it's full of people who do a lot of things, and I kind of love emulating that energy. So um, I think specifically, like, coming from a road running cross-country trail, but, like, there was this emphasis to, like, you can only do running. Like, uh, I think about something explicit. Like, in college, we were, like, there's no enforcement of this per se, but like you're, you should not go skiing at all during the year. Like you can't go skiing because you could get injured and ruin your ability to running. Whereas now it's like, to me, those other sports or other activities are what help make me a more well-rounded runner. Um, so I, I would say I have a lot of things I enjoy doing and feel not that good at, but enjoy surrounding myself with people who are way better than me and then just forcing myself to figure it out. So I've like slowly picked up skiing over the last few years. I kind of loosely did it growing up and then I've kind of picked it up and all the friends I ski with are way better than I am. And so it's just like kind of getting out there on a lift, like, okay, uh, this lift only services double black diamonds. Like, Oh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm doing this now. We're just going to do it. Um, like I picked up rock climbing as well. And I, I'm, I don't view myself as a good rock climber, but it's like, Oh, I guess I'm going to try this and go with friends who really know what they're doing and you'll have a good time. Um, I enjoy biking. I enjoy just generally being outdoors. I'll be, I feel like all the stereotypical things yeah. that like, Bay Area people do for, I realized this recently, it's having friends who are not from the Bay Area and maybe from not very outdoor areas. Like, yeah, you guys are really outdoors. You're like, no, what are you talking about? We're just, just normal. This is what people do. It's like, no, this is not what people do. It's like normal people sit and watch Netflix and do other things. Like, eh, it's not really my cup of tea per se. Um, so just having lots of hobbies so that you always have something to do every day of the year, I think is my favorite part of my current. Yes. Yeah, I've joked kind of sarcastically in the past that like there's a difference between like runners and real people you know like are you a runner or are you like a real person like do you have other are you like more well-rounded do you do other things outside of running because i do think that is like super important um and i'm sure that like having those other interests as you said kind of like benefits your running too um if not physically then mentally perhaps yeah and and beyond that i'd say this is something i've realized more and more over the last few months that I've always known, but like, I'm just very into sports and not necessarily competing, like following sports. Like it's just, I grew up following sports. Like it's what my family did together. Well, I should say my dad and my brother and I, and my mom and sister and other people just kind of followed along with it and did it. But just like the idea of sports, like the drama, the excitement, the physical exertion, but also the, like the fact that the setting for it is like the human body, the human mind and like putting what we can do physically and mentally on display is just always appealed to me. And so having grown up in the Bay Area, like following all the major sports teams, having played sports all throughout high school, it's just like, it's just what I do. It's what I enjoy doing. Um, whatever it looks like, I'm just all about it. <laughs> yeah. There's a beauty to it too. And I think there's a certain beauty to like ultra running that I think is maybe overlooked 
oftentimes like you know the premise of it it's like oh i don't want to watch someone run like 11 minute miles for like 20 hours like that doesn't feel that doesn't like look very athletic right but i remember like the first time i went to western states i was just like you know at the mile like 95 aid station and i was just struck by like how beautiful the runners looked like coming through like the the men's and women's field like everything about it just was so kind of like tragic in a really like i don't know gorgeous sense that like you don't really find in other sports i don't think there's something about like watching someone suffer so badly for like a goal it's just really like i don't know singular yeah it's it's awe-inspiring to see because everyone is like if i were in that position i'd be feeling horrible but you look fine like at least the top athletes or you don't look fine but you look like you're pushing hard it's just that it's maybe to that like theater of absurdism it's like you're doing what now like you're at mile 95 of this race like that's that's dumb and i'll be honest to me like i want to do 100 mile races but to me like 100 miles still kind of feels too absurd to even think about it's like yeah given the opportunity i'd love to do it but i think it's seeing that ambitious goal and like taking inspiration from it like yeah why not go after it but i think that like your mental approach would actually benefit like 100 milers just in the way you're able to kind of like break things up and like hyper analyze i think that's like ultimately what really successful 100 miler runners do is that they're able to like compartmentalize and like just you know think about the next two mile chunks and it seems like that's kind of what you do when you race Ah, i try to I, i always have like what five miles from now looks like but the short moment in time at least the way like training i'd say the way i've approached longer distance things is slightly different than shorter but at least for like sonoma quicksilver and now jfk it's like it's very formulaic and i think the way i've gotten to ultra is like go aid station by aid station like okay these are very tangible like maybe approaching mile by mile doesn't make sense because like it's 62 miles like one mile in the middle isn't going to make or break your race it's that's sustained of a lot of those so like aid station to aid station i think it's very tangible it's like okay it's a sustained distance hopefully like 45 minutes to an hour roughly give or take um it's also where you get to swap out your bottles or whatever you have for nutrition you honestly to me the biggest part of it's just like seeing people and like having that energy like i love that trail running can be a very solitary like in the woods by yourself experience but at the same time i feel like i am my best when i'm surrounded by noise by excitement by energy by people it's why i like get really excited and smile around people it's like you just i feel the energy radiating and it just feels really good and i, I want to give it back but yeah just approaching it like formula like aid station by aid station or some landmark by landmark just one at a time don't think about the next one just think about this one um but also not get too caught up in that result like <laughs> if you have these goals in mind and sudden things that go out throw the throw it away like don't worry about it just focus on what's right in front of you and get to that and then worry about the next one when you get there um, yeah I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you what you've learned this year from like your first kind of serious year racing ultras. What are like three things that you you've taken away? So many things I could list out a million with that, but I feel like they've all been said before. So I don't want to sound too cliche. Um, I think one and yeah, maybe even alluding back to like reading the race recap I left on maybe like Instagram, like, um, it's not about like in terms of training, like spend all this time training. It's not about being the fastest. It's not about doing X, Y, Z training for this is like getting yourself mentally prepared at any point in any race you're pushing, you're going to hit a pain cave. You're going to hit a pain wall. It's maybe the difference between ultra running and shorter distance events where it's like, Oh, I feel good. I'm pushing. Maybe it hurts, but like, Hey, you have 400 meters to go. No, ultra running is like, if you're pushing yourself, you're going to, you're going to ride that line. It's going to start to hurt. What can you do to distract yourself and realize that sure you're riding that line, but if you still keep it here, you're going to feel good. Like mentally, um, actually one of the biggest inspirations, kind of one of my mentors, his name is Chris Thoburn. He's a big runner in the East Bay as well. I've talked, run a ton of miles with him this year, talked with him a lot. And he actually paced me for the final 20 miles of Quicksilver and actually did a great job of explaining this to me before Lake Sonoma and then actively in quicksilver pacing it's like the physical ailments you're feeling they're mental your body is actually capable of keep going your mind just telling you to not to not to not and like if you just keep pushing you're going to be so much happier than if you didn't like if you maximize what you're capable of um you can do that so i i think along that vein like understanding that the pain to a certain degree can be mental and 
are you willing to keep pushing yourself? And then last but not least, it sounds stupid, but like just enjoy what you're doing. I think I've always found that I enjoy, I do the best when I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And when I enjoy what I'm doing, I'm willing to train more. So just find joy, maybe be focused about training. I think I'm very formulaic about training. I have like mileage goals. I have workouts I train for myself. I do X, Y, Z. But at the end of the day, recently I've like, just focus on having fun. Like go out for a run with friends in the trails. Like don't be afraid to maybe you don't need to hammer every run at a specific pace, like slow down, enjoy time with friends, build that stoke together. Cause that's, what's going to keep you wanting to do it more and more is being able to share that experience with others. So yeah, yeah. those are three. Yeah, no, those are great. I'm just getting flashbacks. I feel like every year at Thanksgiving, uh, regardless of who I'm with, everyone goes around the table and is like, say three things you're thankful for. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, yeah. don't put me on the spot like this. So I apologize for doing that to you. Um, no, I like it. But like what it. you said about like pain uh, reminds me of a quote from a, a Don DeLillo novel. Uh, and it's just <laughs> pain is just another type of information. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I feel like when you reduce it to that, it makes it bearable in some respect. Um, but do you think you have a pretty high pain tolerance? I guess you kind of have think, to. I think I do, but I get out in an ultra and I question everything. I'm like, Oh, I don't like this hurts a lot. Ooh, flinching. Um, I, I perceive myself having a high pain tolerance. I think anyone who does ultra running has a high pain tolerance. And I think to me, it's all about like high tolerance relative to what? And I think that's, still something I struggle with, but maybe enjoy about ultra running is that I think with running in general, specifically shorter distances, you can get, it's really easy to compare yourself to people like times. Whereas uh, to me, pain threshold is like a skill of an ultra runner. That's harder to quantify than like pure aerobic fitness or VO two max or mile PR. It's like, no, like I think pain tolerance is a really important thing, but how to quantify it is hard. So I, I think I do, but I, I think I don't know I, if I do until I test it. It's And how you test it is hard. You only get X number of times per year you can do it. If you feel good, maybe even one time per year. It's like, to me, when I really, really test what that pain tolerance is, is not till you get 40, 50 miles deep into an ultra that you really learn what it's like. And it's it, to me, it's hard to emulate that in training. Right, and that's a reason the paradox. It's hard to emulate. Yeah. yeah, it's like you don't want to go to that well too many times because it, it will wear you down over time. But how and i think it's just the philosophy which i'm going forward with like how can we simulate what that feels like without actually getting there and there's different ways i've gone about it and i'm trying a lot of different things but yeah i i don't know is the answer yeah well i think that like that i think articulates this idea that every race kind of takes you to the unknown you yeah. know uh, which is a cool space to be in for sure so before i get you out of here you mentioned that you're going after a golden ticket next year at Black Canyon. Uh, what else are you up to? Yeah. And it's to say, I'm, I'm racing Black Canyon. I, I think I like to be like, put like it to out put there. a specific goal on things. No, put it it's out there. It's like, eh. I think I thrive best when I'm like, I'm just going to go to this race. My goal is to do well, but like, I'm just out there to have fun. Like, and on a good day, we'll see what happens. And I'm confident in myself. I'm not trying to be like underselling myself, but yeah. Um, other things I have in mind, I would love to do. I, my goal is to do my first 100-mile race next year. What that race exactly is is dependent on a handful of things. And obviously, there's a dream race that I would like it to be, but there's a lot of things that need to happen for that. And I'm not naive to say that that's a guarantee by any means. So I have a few other 100-mile races that I've scouted out. Um, I, yeah, I would love to do that. I Being still a year and change away from the Olympic trials, I still haven't given up on my trying to run an OTQ marathon goal. I think there's enough races out there next year that I can try to balance that. Um, and even this year, um, I think I focused a lot on racing and training, but I maybe got away from what I was doing the previous few years, which was getting into the outdoors and just like hanging out in the mountains for a long time. And I think I want to set aside some time in the summer to just no focus training, no plan, just like go out there and do big adventures and no race goal. So there's a few routes I've actually been scouting over the last like week. I think right after I finished races, ironically, when a bunch of ideas popped up, like, oh, this sounds fun, this sounds, this sounds fun. So I won't necessarily say what those are quite yet because it also might change as my schedule changes. But um, I would love to push myself in the mountains for maybe, I would say the, the idea of a multi-day adventure sounds really appealing and like toying with like sleep deprivation, I guess sounds cool, but it's <laughs> yeah, not fun until you actually do it. So um, 
yeah, I think I have those goals. I also just, I want to ski a lot this winter um, while I think balancing skiing while training for an ultra is fun. Uh, but I think skiing is just another opportunity to hang out with some of my friends that maybe don't run, but we can still be in the mountains that way together. So um, yeah, continue nice. enjoying life. Um, but when it comes down to it, like get after it in training, do some big runs and just have a blast. There we go. Any uh, World Cup predictions before we go? Oh, uh, I will refrain from making predictions because I've had a lot go wrong, but I am proud of the U.S. so far. I think we've done really well. Um, my pre-tournament favorite just got smacked by Saudi Arabia, so I don't think I'm going to refrain from saying Argentina and Messi are going to get their World Cup. But um, yeah, we'll see. It's a lot of fun soccer games. The tournament a whole, I feel very mixed emotions about it because it's like the surroundings to it are really bad. And, right. I mean, FIFA's... Just, I won't get it. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Diabolical. But, um, yeah, it's just fun to see people together cheering on their teams. And, yeah, had a blast. So just have fun. Go U.S. <laughs> there we go. That's a great way to end it. Matt, thanks for Chad. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's a pleasure. That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Matt for the conversation. Thanks to Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from everyone here at Blister, please take good care of yourself, keep moving forward, and we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>